to say. Hello, critics, non-critics, and friends. Welcome to the Film Optics Podcast, brought to you by the Drive-In Podcast Network, where we take a glance into comic book movies, blockbusters, indie films, and everything in between. I'm your host, Christian, and I'm joined with my co-host, Devin, and friends of the show. We have Nicole Ackman from Next Best Picture and Claire from W-Rated. And today, we're going to be starting an early celebration for the 10-year film anniversary of the original Hunger Games that debuted in 2012 wow i am old so <laughs> but a little bit of housekeeping here before we get into our coverage before we begin today's episode you can listen to our podcasts on platforms around the internet if you're a new or seasoned listener to the show we'd love to hear from you guys show us some love and leave us a five-star rating and review if you're listening on apple Podcasts or spotify and if you um, just follow us on Instagram and Twitter, honestly, <laughs> because we love you guys so much um, over at Film Optics, that is Optics with an X, or email us at filmoptics at gmail.com for any movie related questions. So um, let's get this thing started off. Like I said, you know, we're here talking about The Hunger Games. It's been a very, very long time coming. But first, Nicole, how are you today? I'm really good, and I am so excited to be back on the podcast, and particularly excited to be talking about this movie. So, um, really quick, let everyone know who you are, where they can find you, and you know what type of um, content that you cover. Yeah, uh, I'm Nicole Ackman. You can find me on Twitter at Nicole Ackman16. I write and podcast for a bunch of different places, mostly over at Next Best Picture. I also have my own period drama podcast called Petticoats and Poppies, History Girls at the Movies. And I write for a handful of different outlets, uh, FF2 Media, The Cinemaholic, and Wealth of Geeks, which uh, recently rebranded from Your Money Geek to Wealth of Geeks. I cover sort of all sorts of film occasionally dabble in television as well but am particularly focused on uh particularly like to cover period dramas uh coming of age movies and any sort of franchise stuff okay lovely lovely i, I think that deserves a nice little nice nice little <laughs> applause there from the call very you, very you. nice very lovely and of course um this is claire's first time on the show so claire let everyone know where they can find you and, you know, what your podcast is about uh, before we get started. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, so you can find me on Twitter at Claire Ellen Hope, Claire without an I. Um, and you can catch my podcast W Rated um, over on Twitter as well, um, where we are watching the world's worst rated movies. Uh, we are covering the films that feature on IMDb's bottom 100. Um, we watch some really terrible movies and some not terrible movies that have been unfairly maligned. Um so yeah, that's kind of the aim of the podcast is to watch them, evaluate them and see, is it fair that they're on the list or is it just that they were, you know, we've had a few that were review bombed or were um, unfairly looked at through the prism of the time they were released that a lot of female led films were kind of poorly reviewed because God forbid a woman stars in a movie. <laughs> Let's all be thankful about the time The Hunger Games came out that changed. <laughs> Yes, yes, I think it also deserves a nice little applause there. That was fantastic, fantastic intro to the show. That is awesome. Uh, Devin, you want to introduce yourself or no? <laughs> you good? I think, I think we got that covered. It's been a while. 
yeah so that that is my uh my co-host Devin. you know we've been uh we've been best friends since god high school it's been yeah. a long time it i i've honestly lost count but <laughs> <laughs> it's all good but um as i said before I, of course we're going to be reviewing the first hunger games movie again this is a part of our new franchise revisited series uh we're going to be covering the hunger games films um throughout uh, a monthly basis so starting in january of course and then um ending in april and i believe the 10-year anniversary for the first film is in march i think it's march 20 something 23rd i want to say but yeah it's it's been forever since i've seen these movies um <laughs> so we're going to be right back with our hunger games 2012 review right after this short break to select one courageous young man and woman for the honor of representing District 12 in the 74th Annual Hunger Games. It's your first year, Prim. Your name's only been in there once. They're not going to pick you. Primrose Everdeen. Prim! I volunteer! I volunteer as tribute. All right. And that was a little snippet of the trailer from the Hunger Games way, way back in 2012. (laughs) And the synopsis is as follows. Katniss Everdeen voluntarily takes her younger sister's place in their Hunger Games, a televised competition in which two teenagers from each of the 12 districts of Panem are chosen at random to fight to the death uh, director for this is Gary Ross and uh, writers include Gary Ross, uh, Billy Ray and Susan Collins, who was the author of the book. And of course, it stars Jennifer Lawrence, Joss Hutcherson, Liam Hensworth, uh, Lenny Kravitz and more, <laughs> which is crazy to think about the star power that was in the, these films. Um, so like I said, we're kind of just going to give a, uh, we're going to start this off with our initial reactions of our rewatch since it's been such a long time for me. But actually, before we get into that really quick, I wanted to ask you guys, has anyone here read the Hunger Games books? Yeah. Um, because, you oh, know, yes. back in 2012, <laughs> you know, Harry Potter and, um, of course, like Hunger Games and other Brits of Terabithia and whatnot. We grew up on a lot of, you know, <laughs> book to movie adaptations <laughs> and they never seemed to stop. And now, of course, a lot of books are being transferred over to TV shows, which makes a little bit more sense, or more so than not, uh, unless you're Dune. But we'll start with Claire, and then we'll go to Nicole, and then we'll go to Devin, and then I'll close out. So, Claire, have you read the Hunger Games books? Um, yes, I've read them um, more than once. I'm actually just started rereading them this week again because I got so inspired um, from the rewatch. But I actually not only read them i taught the first book when i used to be an english teacher um it was one of our set texts so i taught it to a group of 14 year olds um, and we were studying dystopian literature um which i think is why i love the franchise so much because it was my first year teaching so it was like one of the first things i ever got to teach and i came up with like loads of fun things around it um and it is a really fun book to teach because of the kind of reliable narrator tropes and then looking at all the politics like for a really simple lens for kind of a younger audience um so yeah absolutely love the books so like enjoying rereading them right now 
Okay. All right. Nicole, what about, I, I know you're a big book reader, Nicole, but I, I, I just got to ask. Just to ask. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I read them and I remember I read them like as they were being released. And I distinctly remember whenever Mockingjay came out, I don't remember where we were going, but my family was driving somewhere and I get quite ill if I read in the car. Like I get very nauseous, but I distinctly remember making the choice and being like, I don't care if this makes me sick. I have to read this book right now. Um, but no, I, I read them as they came out. What's been really special is, uh, my sister is eight years younger than I am and she sort of discovered the Hunger Games, um, over the course of the pandemic. And so she just read them all for the first time. And then we, as a family had to like watch the movies again. So it's been really fun to, to sort of be able to revisit my thoughts whenever I was a teenager reading them with now, uh, my sister getting to experience them too. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, I, I never read the books. Unfortunately, <laughs> I still haven't. I'm sorry. It's when, when I was younger, it was, uh, man, I just, I hated being told what to read. I just wanted to kind of figure out what I wanted to read on my own. But Devin, have you read the books? I'm not sure if I've asked you this question before. Uh, I have not. As you know, I'm not an avid reader, but I do remember when they were, they were coming out. I remember there was quite a bit of hype around those times when they were coming out. And then everyone's like, oh, they're making a movie out of it. Should be exciting. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, I feel it, man. It's, it's crazy because, like, we literally just got off, like, you know, all the Harry Potter mm-hmm. hype, the Harry Potter train with Deathly mm-hmm. Hallows Part 2. And then it's like, oh, here's another book movie adaptation. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, like, awesome. And then, you know, we also had Twilight and whatnot. So it was very um, – it was a crazy, crazy time. But, yeah, like, as I said before – um, I just wasn't like I was a reader, but again, I just didn't really care for when people like told me what to read. I mean, I kind of liked I liked Lord of the Flies and then a few other Bridget Terry Brithy was a good one. And so was the giver. But everything else that like they made us read, I just didn't really care too much for in school. But, you know, it's different times if you'd have been in my class you would have loved it because they all immediately they came they got really annoyed about how slowly we were reading it and they all came in like about the third week they're like we've all finished it miss can we just talk about the ending i was like no no some of you haven't finished it (laughs) and they all went out and read bought catching fire and mocking jay and were telling me all about it so yeah should have been in my class (laughs) i love that it's like there is a structure to this class (laughs) and we are going to it was great i made because it was the same year the film came out so i printed out all the pictures from the film of the um Mm. tributes and we put them up on the wall and so then when we were reading whenever someone was killed a kid got to go and take a red pen and cross them out so it was like a living wall as we were reading through it interactive yeah and we like when there were new rules like made we would print them out and add them to the board so that we knew where we were in the book (laughs) it was a fun class (laughs) (laughs) i love that that is awesome. I think when we read the Salem Woods Trials, we didn't do anything <laughs> like that, but we got to, you know, play the parts, you know, as we're, we're out reading through the play. Mm-hmm. And 
anyone who, I think it was a main character's name was Mary, but like, of course, everyone thought she was possessed. So everyone just like talked with her with a demonic <laughs> voice. So it was like yeah. a lot of fun. Um, but that that's very, very clever. Like, honestly, and for, before we get any uh, further, of course, you know, this movie has been out for 10 years. So we're just going to go straight into spoilers <laughs> here. And um, by the way, I'm still not over Rue's death. Oh, it's um, so it's fine. beautiful, though. <laughs> Like, uh, and I was watching it the other day and I was like, I, man, it, it, it was so hard. I'm like, that's, that's I, actually I, what I stood knew. out most to me. I was mm-hmm. like, I definitely don't remember this hitting this hard when I first watched <laughs> the movie, but I watched it yesterday and I was like, wow, a couple, a couple of tears are forming. Mm-hmm. Like it helps that, uh, that Amanda, Amanda Stenberg is such a great actress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, really does. But it, it really, really hit home for me, but let's go around the, uh, the show here and just talk about our initial reactions on our rewatch or re-rewatch um i guess we'll start with claire because she's technically seen it twice <laughs> in one in the last month <laughs> she can't she can't get enough of it so i'll <laughs> i'll go to claire then i'll go to Devin, and then we'll end with nicole for like our initial reactions how is the film you know uh change has it changed for you at all you know do you like it more do you like it less like get, give us your uh, your initial reaction yeah I definitely like it more so I remember the first time I saw it when it was released I hadn't read the book yet um and I do think that reading the book gives you so much more to the film but I also think it is one of those films that rewards you on a rewatch no matter how how many times you rewatch it you see different things new things little hints and I think it really rewards you re-watching it with the other films like once you've seen all four if you then return to the beginning you suddenly see things in a different way and you see President Snow just slightly differently and you look at how Gale interacts with Katniss slightly differently um so yeah I think it is definitely a film that only rewards with its rewatches um it is probably like Catching Fire is always my favorite because I'm team Katniss and Peter and I just adore them so I love that film but I think it sets up such a solid foundation for the four films and for the franchise that it's hard to fault it. Okay. All right. Devin, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I think it was, it was better upon rewatch here. Obviously I haven't seen it since it originally came out in theaters, I believe. Um, yeah, just really good time. A few things that I noticed were different. Obviously I mentioned Rue's death definitely hit harder this time around. Um, I, I don't remember PETA being, being as, as involved as he was for some reason my initial memory was that he was just kind of like the lame baker guy who, who hides his face in the <laughs> in the, in the tree yeah. that's that's all i could remember of, of him initially i think that's just kind of the stigma that's around him as a character because it's kind of like a classic reversal of gender roles there um obviously high school me would not have understood that but yeah definitely enjoyable overall and uh, we'll get into more details more later but great cast Great story, a great setting. Nicole, what about you? Yeah, I had rewatched these fairly recently already, like I said, with my sister. But I every time I watch this, I'm kind of struck all over again that I really do think that both the first film and Catching Fire are some of the best like book to film mm-hmm. adaptations probably ever made. And also like some of the best teen franchise movies mm-hmm. ever. Uh I think the star power in this movie is incredible. Like seeing like 
Stanley Tucci and Lenny Kravitz and Woody Harrelson is just incredible. And I also think it's really interesting to kind of reflect on the fact that this is really where Jennifer Lawrence's career sort of took off and and how young she was whenever this was made, I think is is really cool to think about. And I I love this movie. And I think the thing that kind of struck me this time that I kind of forget about sometimes, I can never forget about Ruth's death. That has <laughs> stuck with me. But um, Cato's death scene, I think, is really interesting. And like one of the few things that I think is maybe even more impactful than it is in the book uh, I think the way that they handled that was was really well done. And and I think that, God, this film is just like so well made and it holds up mm-hmm. so well. I think this film could literally come out this year and be equally well received, which you cannot say for all 2012 movies. Yeah. <laughs> it actually that actually would be nice. I feel like some of the effects were a little little dated, surprisingly, like the the fire effects. And those uh, those yeah. dog creatures at the end the were just kind of gray, the gr- the gray <laughs> blobs. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like as bad was, as you would expect. Like, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's I don't know when it comes to the CGI. I, I would I didn't think the CGI for the uh, for the dogs. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the actual name of the uh, the beast. But um, it was I. It wasn't half. It wasn't half bad because it's like mm-hmm. you know it's not as dated as Shrek. Because it's like if you go back and watch Shrek. <laughs> It's like, whoa, what are these animatronic, like... <laughs> well, like, you guys just did, redid the Harry Potter se- um, series and, like, any Quidditch match in Harry Potter is just yes. unwatchable. <laughs> it's not as bad as the effects in Prisoner of Azkaban <laughs> with the werewolf. Oh, my <laughs> Which fa- everyone my who's favorite. been listening to this podcast knows my issues with <laughs> It's, yeah, I mean, oh, man. Yeah, it's, with CGI, it's always, like, hit or miss. And I mean, with this one, with with the Hunger Games, it's you know they had their use of CGI, but like I, I thought it looked pretty well. Like I watched it on a 4K disc, and I mean I'm not like a big big like I mean I'm a big physical media collector just because. But like some people are very like you know oh like the toning's off here, you know like the color grading's a little weird here. Like I I thought it looked pretty well on my TV, and I I had a great time with it. Um, some scenes were a little bit darker, but I think that that's just because of the type of TV I have. It's like, you know, the deepest blacks. I'm like, well, that's great. But like, I can't see Peter's face in this cave. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, the CGI for this was, um, it, it was, I, I thought it pretty much held up. And I do agree with what um, Nicole said. Like if these um, um, films would have came out today, I think it would have been well received because, I mean, it's, it's very rare nowadays that we we get such a just a female character that's very interesting and she's honestly just like one of the best i think i actually had her on my team for the suit up geeks podcast for you know like the i forgot the name it was like a uh best female characters and i had like of course i had hermione on my team i had katniss everdeen i i had a pretty stacked team and i lost within the first round but it's fine (laughs) I know, I I know, I oh man, oh man, I ooh man, I was like, I did my research and like, I already know like my top three, they're already there. I get gotta get my last two in there, but um, but yeah, it's it's very rare when we have such a great female character, um, not because she's female, it's just because of you know her her desires and obviously wanting to volunteer instead of her sister, showing the love that she has for her sister, much like we've seen in um, in Black Widow earlier or. Mm-hmm last year sorry now it's 2022 
But like you, you really feel that um, you know the connection that they have, and even though they don't share a lot of scenes together, um, the the love there is real, and that's that's the important part. But um, I wanted to ask you guys, since me and Devin are <laughs> non esque Hunger Game book readers, uh, were there any major like changes that they made for the first Hunger Games that? was different in the books or was it like you guys said it was kind of a faithful adaptation but it's a lot of world building is like cut out just for time so a lot of the stuff that takes place in the capital you see all the big moments but there are a lot more smaller moments like you you learn about kind of some of the horrible practices that the capital do so when she's in the capital and she's being like having all her makeup done and everything like that. And you see all the helpers and the people that work in the room and serve them within the book who find out that some of them are there because they have betrayed the capital and they have like had their tongues cut out and they can no longer speak and they are ser- they are forced to work for the capital without a voice. So it's just like small things like that that they just wouldn't have been time for in the film. But if you've read the yeah. book, you can kind of spot them. You're like, oh, I wonder if that's like a, I can't remember the word for it now, but you 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 were reminded of them. Yeah, most of the changes I really do think are sort of things that were very obviously cut for time and that don't matter that much. I think the two biggest changes, though, are the books are told, if I remember correctly, from Katniss's point of view. And so we see a lot more, you know, a lot of things in the movie that obviously we don't get in the book. Things with particularly there's a lot more President Snow in the movie, which I actually... um, I read that it was originally sort of meant to be more of like a a smaller role. And then Donald Sutherland was like so into Mm -hmm. it that they sort of wrote more in for him. And obviously we see more with like Seneca Crane and the game makers and that sort of stuff. But the other big change that I know some people like do have some issues with is that um, in the books, both Gail and Katniss are described as having olive darker skin. Um, There's, much more of there's there's sort of a racial divide in district 12 that is implied uh and there's a lot of there's a big deal kind of made in the book about the class difference in district 12 with the blonde haired pale people of the town so to speak and then the like darker skinned darker haired miners uh and i know that some people you know were sort of disappointed that it was definitely an opportunity that they could have cast a young woman of color in the role and they chose to go with you know a very pale Jennifer Lawrence instead. Um, well, like she's sort doing of like, most in the movie right now. Like, not, not blonde. They, not they, blonde. No, they, blonde. Could, they could have at least, uh, you know, gotten her a little bit of a tan. I'm like, she's supposed to spend all this time out hunting and she looks like yeah. that. Um, it's kind of like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but I think like that's one of the biggest things, which again, I think like part of it was trying to keep the film to a certain amount of time. They didn't want to sort of go into all of that class different stuff. Uh, but I do think it is one of the things that the the books go a little bit harder on sort of the social commentary than the movies do. And I also think, like you were saying, the books go a little bit harder on sort of the cruelty yeah. in, in the capital and uh I think I think there's things that they were probably definitely trying to keep their rating down. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the books, particularly going forward, I think it's a little bit less in this one, can be a, a bit more. I don't want to say gruesome, but they're they're a bit more gory, let's say, and and uh, and graphic than, than the movies are able to be. Mm-hmm. One of the yeah. changes that I love, like you mentioned, it you see the game makers. I love how much you see Caesar Flickerman show. I think that was such a yes. clever change to really have that as our overarching view. I think that really helps, kind of bookmark the films because where you don't have Katniss's narration which works so wonderfully in the films but in the books 
I don't think work would have worked so well in the films. So I think that Caesar Flickerman kind of storytelling trope works so well for the film. And if you okay. have Stanley Tucci, I mean, like yeah. you yeah. him. <laughs> Tucci gang, obviously. Yeah. Those white pearly teeth. <laughs> I was like, wow, those are like. I'm sure he loved putting crazy. that wig on too. <laughs> exactly. Well, of course, Jared Leto's in this film as well, which I totally, totally forgot. Is he? He's the, it, yeah, he's the guy with like the the weird. No, fire that's not, not like, Jared, Leto. Jared Leto. Is that not Jared Leto? No, he is someone, but he's not Jared it's, Leto. It's, uh, he it's West Bentley. Oh my god, West Bentley. Oh my god! I'm so sorry. I thought that was Jared Leto. I swear. <laughs> no, I, 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 like, I did. Wow, I did Jared notice a, like... a Jack Quaid appearance that I definitely didn't know. Uh, yeah. Really. Yes. Having just seen yes. the new scream, like I was like, "Oh my god, it's that guy!" Yeah. <laughs> it was just like the first it's, movie. It's funny. His character's name is Marvel, and he's in the Boys, which is pretty anti-Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in a few uh, shots uh, here and there, which I think is like. And I, I knew he was in there and then I kind of forgot because mm-hmm. I did rewatch the first Hunger Games like mid last year. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Jack Quaid is in this. Like, man, he looks so yeah. young. I don't know how old he I don't know how old he mm-hmm. is or how old he was back then, especially at the time of filming. We're like, man, he's got a baby face. So he's yeah. probably <laughs> I'm guessing maybe like 17, 18 years mm-hmm. old. But I don't know. You know, you kind of look back on your old pictures. It's like, Whoa, <laughs> yeah, I think most of the cast who were playing tributes were in their like late teens or I think Isabel Furman was something crazy like 14 or something but yeah uh the others I think were mostly in their in their late teens yeah so is it when so they say between what 12 and 18 so is it when you hit 19 your name gets taken out of like everything when it comes to um do the Hunger Games itself I I think you're safe Christian no (laughs) yeah Okay, good. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I th- I think it's whenever you hit nineteen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, and like so in the you kind of it doesn't isn't hinted at as much in the film, but in the book they tell you that like one of the reasons that names go in there more is because in poor districts like District Twelve, um, you can get free food and extra money by putting your name in more times. So like Katniss and Gail's names, I think like that she tries to calculate how many times Gail's name must be in there, and it's like in the hundreds, um, because he has to constantly get grain and oil and stuff for his family, um. But yeah, I guess when he then ages out for, I don't know if he had aged out by Catching Fire. It kind of because it doesn't really matter. Uh, but I guess they like yeah. just take yeah. all those names straight out. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's typically a correlation between yeah, you age out sort of at the time, but you also age out of going to school. Because yeah. um, I, I know in Catching Fire, I think Gail has aged out because I know he's also what working in the mines yeah. at that point. So yeah. Yeah, once you can work and like contribute to capitalism, you don't need to go on the Hunger Games anymore. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's like sweet, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's like I, I just gotta make it. I just gotta make it. Yeah, because I, I was I like I knew like, you know, during the beginning, like and I really liked during the beginning of the movie how they kind of explain what the Hunger Games is and they kind of touch on, you know, why they have the Hunger Games, but it seems like, you know, from what your guys experience with the books that there's definitely more gruesome thing. I mean, I didn't know about the whole, you know, cutting up the tongue and whatnot. So it's it's not and I don't know why I never really picked them up. I guess I I, I honestly have no excuse. So <laughs> they're still excellent. Like I honestly I'm thinking about rereading them too, because I do think that like they are the sort of YA books that hold up completely mm-hmm. even if you are an adult reading them. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and young, young adult is usually like my, I guess like my go-to for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, you know, I kind of go into like, you know, like more hardcore fantasy, like Lord of the Rings. I've tried to read a thousand times over and I just, I'm like, I, I just, just want to watch the movie again. Cause it's just, they're, they're just so epic. Um, obviously like Harry Potter, things like that, even with like his dark materials, like the Amber Spyglass and, uh, golden compass like for some reason i just kind of gravitate towards those books maybe because like they're obviously like also coming of age stories which is like my biggest like weakness of like Same. anything yep. like <laughs> I feel any that. kind of movie <laughs> any kind of tv show i am there <laughs> like 100 percent. but i've now aged out that now when i watch them i realized i was watching something a couple of months ago and i was like oh no i'm so old now that when i watch coming of age dramas i fancy the dads not the main characters yes. like, oh no yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like that guy commercial <laughs> guy yeah. commercial where uh <laughs> they have it to where kids are trying not to be i end up like their parents i'm like oh my gosh this is crazy yep. crazy stuff yep. <laughs> but yeah so i mean i was pulling up around tomatoes just for the runtime and i forgot what it was it was i guess it's around two hours and 22 minutes i think it's actually pretty wonderfully paced because i mean majority of the film i mean i can't remember exactly what mark when the hunger games actually starts but it's at least i want to say maybe 30 40 as mm-hmm. minutes that we get before the actual hunger Games starts and i like how they did that instead of like I don't know. There were so many movies within like the past year. I think even for like Mortal Kombat, like the tournament's called Mortal Kombat, but the tournament never happens. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like the the pre-tournament to the tournament. But I like how even with the Hunger Games. And by the way, I've always wanted one of those like jackets that she's wearing, like when she's going up through the tube, Katniss. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're all kind of like standing in like kind of like a crescent circle, and it's like okay, like we're here, like this is real. <laughs> Like it's, it's so, I, I love like the arena effect and I don't know, it's, it's crazy stuff, but I wanted to kind of go around. Um, if there was, was there anything you guys wanted to bring up during our coverage that you guys haven't had a chance to talk about? Um, yeah. Any, you know, likes or dislikes, of course, uh, we'll start with Nicole. We'll go to Devin and then we'll end with Claire. I first have to shout out the fact that Cinna is one of my favorite characters in the whole Hunger Games franchise. Um, he's like my second favorite character overall. Uh, I will say my first favorite character is not in this one. Oh. Um, is, is it a, a hunky guy with a trident? It might be. <laughs> Good choice. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. But I think that Lenny Kravitz is such perfect casting as Cinna, and I think that the way that he has does he done his anything roles, else? So. I Lenny Kravitz in movies. Uh, at least, I had this discussion obviously. the other day, and I don't think he has done anything else. I don't know that he does. But he's so he, was, he was so kind and, and he's nice. So, he's and... like the heart of the film. Yeah. Like once it goes to the capital, he's so warm in the very small part yep. he has. I'm seeing he was in Precious and Lee Daniels, the Butler. Okay. Among okay. Yeah. Others. Yeah. So a handful of things, but he's he's phenomenal in this. I also think like, I mean, so much of the casting in this is just absolutely perfect. Like Woody Harrelson as Haymitch is insanely just perfect. Um, I love the performance that he gives us Haymitch. I love how uh, sort of what he he starts in this movie sort of gets there's depth to it. I think after you've seen all the rest of the story that you don't even necessarily realize is there whenever you're watching the first one for the first time. I also think that Jennifer Lawrence really does give a phenomenal performance in this for her to have been so young and so early on in her career. Uh, but yeah, I love any sort of sister story 
like I said, I have a younger sister. We have quite a large age gap. Um, so I think from the time that I first read this, I was in like, I want to say like eighth or ninth grade whenever I read it for the first time. And I definitely related to a lot of it. And it's something that like I find very affecting. I cry almost every time when I watch it. So you're um, saying you would volunteer as tribute? I would. I would. Good, like, good. yeah, um, I absolutely would for my sister. And I think it's 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 very it's a franchise that like means a lot to me. And I think it's very nice whenever something that does mean a lot to you like this, whenever you can watch it as an adult and be like, Oh no, actually it is good. Like I'm not just nostalgic because <laughs> that's not true of yeah. everything. Like there's other things that I loved as like a, you know, a kid or a, a teenager that I now I watch them like, Oh, okay. Well, um, I never really I mean, watched Garden like, State. I can't cope with learning <laughs> that that film is not good. Cause 14 year old Claire goes hard. <laughs> but like i mean i dressed up as katniss for halloween the year that this movie came out um actually last year my sister dressed as clove um for halloween because we realized that one of her horseback riding jackets looks quite like the jackets that they wear in the arena um and we were like gotta take advantage of that um but yeah it's it's i think this movie is really really masterfully made and i think that the way that it is able to sort of give us this like, you know, fun dystopian adventure thing while not losing all of the social commentary of the book is really clever because I do think that that's one thing that sort of gets lost in a lot of these adaptations, like um, things like even Harry Potter, I think you lose some of the social commentary that's occurring in the books, um, which I mean, we could also talk about how bad or good that commentary is because of who it came from. Whereas, whereas Susan Collins is like a, you know, an, an author that I can still be proud to like her work, which I love. Um, but I really do think that like, it, it, it has been interesting watching this after sort of the, how do I say this? The political events of the past, like five years, let's say, uh, have given me like a very different perspective on a lot of the, the stuff in the hunger games, which I think is just, uh, very interesting to sort of see, you know, the the way that the government is portrayed in it. It's always been funny for me as someone based in the UK, because the whole of Pan Am and Hunger Games is just North America. So like <laughs> for years, I was always like, there is no way like Europe, even though we're not part of Europe anymore. And um, there's no way that like yeah. Europe and the other places would like let that happen. And then like the last three or four years, I'm like, oh, we definitely would. Oh, no, we, we probably had our own yeah. version. Yeah, it is. It is cool for me, too, because District 12 is like supposedly like, you know, sort of in like the Appalachian mm. mountain area, they say in like um, North Carolina and Tennessee. So it is it is cool because that's where I'm from. And um, they actually did some filming up in like the Asheville area of North Carolina, which is somewhere that I go pretty frequently. So it's uh, it also is, is cool just because this is one of the last movies that was, I think, had a lot of filming in North Carolina before um, we had some political things happen that meant that the film industry really moved out of here um, and is just now starting to come back a bit more. Um, so it, it also is cool because there's scenes in the in the woods where I'm like, yeah, I think I think that would have been here. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know it was filmed in um in North Carolina. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, it's um. Yeah, I, d I did not know that, but that that's a really good. Not point. all of it, but there's parts of it, particularly out outdoor parts of it. Um, okay. Okay. Like more yeah. so, like the beginning, like the woodsy area, or. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's pretty yep. cool. 
Yeah. It, I can't really say Nashville is like a really big film town, but yeah, I mean, they used to film the show Nashville here when it first started. Yeah. I would and then hope they moved, so. Like, Loved that show. And then they yeah. moved somewhere else. I'm like, I, we lost just about everything to Atlanta. So yeah, everything goes down there. I mean, I drove down yeah. there for Spider-Man No Way Home for a screening and I was like, yeah. I don't think I'm doing this ever again. <laughs> to be completely on, like I love Georgia. Like I mean, it was Atlanta was like like downtown Atlanta was amazing. Like just so nice, so clean. But that um that drive, I mean, it's only four hours, but it killed me because like <laughs> we drove down, we saw the movie, and turned straight back. <laughs> yeah, that sounded like a rough day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I need this day off. They're like, why? I'm like, it's it's. Like, you know, movie related. They're like, oh, you see a new Spider-Man movie? I was like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's only like two days before. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. But, you know, deadlines and everything with right written yeah. reviews. So, but um, so, yeah, let's go over to um, uh, Devin. Was there anything you wanted to bring up that you liked or disliked about the movie on your rewatch? Yeah, I'm just glad we, we actually rewatched this one because it's nice to kind of look back on it and just see. Obviously, the, the star making role that it was for Jennifer Lawrence. She's just amazing, as always. Probably my favorite actress going currently. Don't Look Up was great. Um, it's also crazy to just see how many kind of iconic uh, moments there were in cinema for this movie. Like, obviously, um, May the Odds Be Forever in Your Favor, I Volunteer's Tribute, this All thing, the, the, whist- okay, the whistles. Okay, this is This is Scout's <laughs> Honor. <laughs> this whole <laughs> Because when I first saw it in theaters, and I didn't mean to cut you off, Devin, yeah. I'm sorry. But, like, when they first, like, you know, do the kiss and they put up, like, the three fingers, I'm like, that's that, that's Boy Scouts. Like, that's Boy See, Scouts. in the book, they tell you it's, like, a very old-fashioned thing from District 12. And it's, like, their only way of, like, showing kind of rebellion without getting mm. in trouble. And that's why then it picks up throughout the film and gets bigger. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I just thought the, you know, correlation there was cool. But, yeah, it's, like... Scouts Honor, like we literally had to do that. And I was like, oh, that's, I'm like, I know that. Like, I understood that reference. <laughs> Sorry, Devin, go ahead. But yeah, it's just cool to see, like, some of those moments are still, like, culturally relevant even today. Like, I want you to attribute as a pretty, pretty common gift going around the internet, always, and always, <laughs> probably always will be. Just a classic moment. Um, as far as any issues that I had, I think I, I kind of had an issue with uh, Cato. Cato's casting, I would say. You guys can get more insight into if the books uh, shine any light onto this. But I feel like um, this is casting. He he wasn't very intimidating for me. Like I feel like he's got that baby face. I was like, he's he's not he's not scary. Come on, it's just it's just Cato. He's just a cool guy. What I like about that casting though is that like he looks intimidating enough that you can see to like where like. Rue or Foxface or one of these other like young tributes, he would be intimidating, but you don't lose the fact that like he is also just a teenager. And I think that that's what's so important with this casting is that they really did make it clear that like these are children. And I appreciate that they didn't age up the casting like they do in too many like YA book to movie adaptations. So like you never lose the fact that all of these are kids. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's really important. And I, I think that's a really good uh, point for for Cato, especially, you know, coming from District One, you know, like they're literally trained, like essentially bred killers. And, you know, moments before his death, when he gets, you know, fed to the to, to the hounds, 
I guess, you know, he's, he's talking about, you know, it's like, Oh, he's like, I, I have to, he's like, I can still kill PETA. You know, he's like, I can still win this thing. And it's kind of like, you don't really understand like the big pressure on district one from all this, you know, Oh, well, obviously there can only be one victor. So it's like, I still feel like that's an awkward situation to be in. It's like, Hey, one of us is going to bring, you know, some, some prize and glory back to our district, but only one of us. But I, I really like how, and I actually forgot on um, on my two rewatches, I guess, um, when they changed up the rules because, you know, it's it's all for show. You know, it's it's just a you know good show, good for entertainment for the Capitol and how, you know, they changed it from one winner to, hey, you know, if you have um, if both victors are from, you know, um, from the same um, original district, then you could win. And I kind of like the whole solidarity of how PETA and um, Katniss kind of showed like kind of like stood them up and it's like, okay, you know, we're going to eat these poison berries. We're just going to kill ourselves and there'll be no victor. Then, you know, that's, it, it kind of like, I feel like if that would have happened, some, I, I don't know what would have happened in Jack in general, but like that definitely would have caused like some pushback from the other districts as we saw with after Rue's death. Um, so it's, it's very, uh, it's kind of scary to think about, to be completely honest. I know Battle Royale is another... I don't know if it's a film franchise or if it's just like a single movie. There are sequels to it, but I don't think they're like considered a franchise. I've only seen the first one, but I do know there is a sequel. I don't know how much it's considered like on par with the first one. Okay, okay. And I'll, I'll Devin, really quick, did you have anything else you want to say before we move on? Um, you guys want to watch the, the Starving Games as well? I have to for ever... my podcast. There's both the yeah, Starving Games and oh, the Hangover, oh. the Hungover Games, and both. Oh, there's two. Really? Both of them are on the bottom 100. Oh, oh I, no. I didn't know those were actual things. Yep, they're yeah. real movies. I can't <laughs> wait to watch them. It's gonna be great because I'm just gonna spend the whole podcast talking about how great the actual Hunger Games is, and not like involving myself with those films. <laughs> I, feel like, but, uh, I, I, I yeah, also cool. just want to mention okay. like every every time i see the the pita face tree scene i'm just gonna laugh it's just it's, it's just funny it's so strange he's like hey 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 Katniss, how's it going i'm i'm really trying to figure out what this being a baker of cakes i i've always tried to make the correlation i'm like okay yeah you know how to make like cool little designs but like is anyone in District 12 asking, like, hey, I need you to make me a bark <laughs> yes. cake? Yeah, he's an artist. And put it on my he's face. <laughs> it always freaks me out. But, like, it's it's cool. But it's, like, the amount of time and effort you have to put in, not only just, like, you know, a portion of, like, your, your body, like your forearm or something, but, like, your entire face and to blend in with the ground, how many people have stomped on you? Did he have a mirror just... to make sure he was fully blended? Like, how did he do it? <laughs> it's like, and it kind of just I, magically I... gets wiped off, too, when they start talking. I can't imagine, like, I think this would make it, like, for the Hunger Games, if they actually had commentary for the players to hear. Where it's like, oh, like, you see PETA over here trying to, you know, camouflage himself. And it's like, why are you, what? Like, no. <laughs> it's, I just, I've always found it so funny. Like, it's it's a very amazing and unique skill to have. But it's like every time. It's just hilarious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so funny. I, every time, it cracks me up. But, Claire, is there anything you wanted to bring up? 
um, you know, likes, dislikes, comments, concerns. Yeah, I mean, one of the big ones, like Nicole already said it, like what an ensemble cast. Like it, and when you compare it to other YA franchises, like they knock it out of the park, not both with like the young talent they found, but also the really steady adult actors to really ground it. Um, because you just it continues on with the further films. It has, uh, in my opinion, of a franchise, one of the best ensembles, if not the best, for that kind of film. Um. And then the other thing I think they do well, or, you know, surprisingly well, is how they portray the violence. So I don't know what rating it was um, in the US, but over here it was, it's what's called a 12A. So like anyone 12 or if you're under 12, your parents have to bring you. Um, and I felt like they did do the violence well that you can clearly see what's happening and you can see that kids are dying, but it's not brutal. It's not lingered on. It's there for the plot. It's servicing the plot. You get you know, the grotesque tracker jacker death, which I think is one of the most brutal ones and has done so well. But I think they handle that balance of showing but not showing how brutal it is in the cornucopia scene. We see that tiny little young boy and is it Kato that takes him out? And mm. you know exactly what's happened, but you don't have to see it. It's enough. And I think that was handled really sensitively and they did a really good job there. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there because um, I think for, for here in the U.S. it was PG-13, which is basically so, the yeah. same thing, you know. As soon as you turn 13 here, everyone thinks, you know, they're, they're tough cookies. Like, yeah, I can You're go, an adult I can go to PG-13. <laughs> I can go see the new Harry Potter movie by myself. I don't need my parents. <laughs> it's like, I just need someone to drive me, though. But <laughs> uh, See, I lived a 10-minute walk from my local cinema, so I didn't need anyone to drive me. Ah, <laughs> uh, lucky, lucky, Yeah. But yeah, for yeah, I, I do agree with you. When it came to the violence, it, it wasn't like we all know what it's about, but they didn't have to like hone in on it. You know, obviously, you know, there are children who who die in this um in this franchise, especially uh within the first game uh first movie, not first game, sorry. Um, and it I think it is done well because nowadays with PG 13, like with like the Batman that's coming up, like they're really going to push the limits of what they can get away with in that. But like you said, you know, with a lot of young adult fantasy, um, especially even in Harry Potter, I feel like, I feel like a few of the, I feel like the deaths are actually done well, but I think it's just a little bit darker in Harry Potter, especially in how blood prints um, <laughs> with the, the whole bathroom scene with Draco and, and Harry. But I really like how with the hunger games, like you said, you know, we know what it's there for, but it's not, really servicing the plot because it's not it's there like it's the overarching theme but it's that's not like that's not Candace's journey like obviously people are going to be you know deceased but it's I, I really like how for any audience anyone can go see this and be okay with it even with Kato's death like I think was Katniss shot an arrow off screen and you know after you fell in and you kind of see him being t torn apart but it's so dark that it's kind of like, okay, we get what's going on and they cut back to, you know, them essentially putting him out of his misery. It's no worse because... than Scar being eaten by the hyenas and the Lion King. Same yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious, honestly, because, you know, Suzanne Collins released sort of a prequel book. Um, Did she? Ballad of Songbird and Snakes, which is about President Snow and like uh, the the first John Snow, games, I guess. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> is it is it the twenty? Isn't it the twenty fifth Hunger Games? So like the first quarter quell. Yeah, something I can't. It's something like yeah. I read it. I should remember, I it, but it's essentially it um, it's it's well no, it's one of the early ones because it's it's when President 
Snow is like a young boy. Mm-hmm. And at that point, there weren't obviously winners to be mentors. Mm-hmm. So capital children were as- assigned to mentor mm-hmm. people from the districts. And so he's a-, a mentor to a girl from District 12 in it. And there's talk about it being made into mm-hmm. a movie. And I just really do wonder if they'll sort of keep that same approach to the violence in it um, and keep it, you know, very sort of as tame as it can be while still getting across the point or if because it will be made in this decade instead or if they it feels like the track record for these prequels isn't uh isn't very looking very good right now and the fact that you can't remember the book makes me think the book might not be very good it actually i actually really enjoyed it i just i read it like a year and a half ago so um in in you know I feel like Corona has ruined my brain, so I can't remember things. But no, it, it actually, it is quite a good book and it's a really interesting story. So I do think they could bring it to the screen in a really interesting way. But um, I do sort of wonder how it would how it would compare to these, to these movies, particularly in how they would handle things like the violence. Okay. Yeah. That, see, I, yeah, I didn't know there was any type of prequel. Like, so how, how many books is it for the prequel or is it just one or is it's it just two? one yeah it's just, it's one. just okay. one although there I, there were rumors that um she was also going to write a prequel book about like haymitch's oh, I heard that rumor, yeah yeah which i would be so down for that um, yeah that i would be very interested a, a de-aged woody yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah oh god <laughs> what would you cast as a young woody harrison i don't think there's and no one comes We'd to mind to for get, me like, at an least. Unknown, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I would like sure. a sequel with with all the Hemsworth brothers in the Hunger Games, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just duking it out. The Hemsworth games. <laughs> yes, there the you go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I imagine. Lose wise like, though. Yeah, it was like I feel like maybe that the third brother can uh, <laughs> fox face his way to a win. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That would be very, very interesting. But yeah, um, man, this this entire like I'm I'm very excited and like <laughs> no one shoot me, but I still to this day have not seen Mocking J Part One or Part Two. What? I stopped well, the catching fire. To. I stopped the catching fire. What? I saw it in theaters. And then I don't know what happened where I didn't go back to go see the others. So I'm very interested to see how this thing turns out. <laughs> Mocking J Part 1, I love, but I do understand the criticism of, that people have that it is a bit of a slog. I love it because of reading the book, mm. I have the context. Uh, but I think Mocking J Part 2 is brilliant. I feel like that. There's, mm. there's no criticism for that one. I'm so excited to see what you think mm. of them whenever you get to watch them for the first time. Yeah, because it's weird. Like, in this is something that, like, I'm very shocked that I still haven't. Like, I've had the Blu-rays forever, and I just haven't. My backlog is crazy. Um, <laughs> like, I still need to watch Peaky Blinders on Netflix. <laughs> like, it is, it's it's crazy. But, yeah, it's it's not that I didn't want to see them. It's I can't remember if, I, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I just never went back. I didn't see Mockingjay Part 2 until, like, last year the year before last because it came out so far after the books Mm -hmm. that like i just honestly kind of forgot that it it was a thing and i think it came out while i was like in college maybe and so i was just like busy and and it completely was not on my radar but i i was pleasantly surprised because i feel like it is one of those movies that has like a really bad reputation like more so than it deserves Um, part two yeah 
Yeah, and yeah, I think I part two is quite good. Mm, I think part two. Yeah, and I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. You know, like the the discourse between. I I don't know what happens, but I just know there's a lot of people who just don't like part two, and I'm like, well. Because you're not the catching fire and the hungry ends are so it, good. Like it you know, is the it's, weakest book as well, though, in my opinion. Anyway, I feel like Mockingjay is the weakest book because it it does something different that I think was the right choice, but it does make it a different read and therefore a different watch. I think she made the right choices, but I read the three books almost in like quick succession. Like I read Catching Fire in a day because I got so addicted to it, and then I like cracked open Mockingjay expecting Catching Fire too, and was like what is this and i think that happened with the films as well that catching fire is a really high point of the films mocking jay part one and two aren't bad in any way shape or form but they aren't the same i also do think it sort of suffers from that whole thing of after harry potter split Mm -hmm. its last movie into or its last book into two movies every ya franchise felt the need to do Mm -hmm. that and I don't know that they actually needed two movies for Mockingjay. Like, it it works better than uh, Breaking Dawn does. Is that the Twilight yeah. one that's the last? Yeah. Um, it works better than that because at least there is, like, actual things that are happening. Yeah. Um, unlike in Breaking Dawn Part 1, where literally just Baseball. nothing happens. Um, <laughs> and like, the book but, of Mockingjay has a distinct turning point, so it does feel like a book of two halves. Yeah. So there is a point. Oh. Which it makes sense. Yeah. But I do think maybe they could have still done it in one movie and it would have felt a little bit more coherent and also timely because yeah. I do think that that's part of it too is that like it came out so far from the first Hunger Games that people were sort of uh over it mm-hmm. I want to say like so I don't know I still think they're definitely worth a watch so it's it's good that you're doing this uh series mm-hmm. and you'll get you'll have to watch them yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, yeah I, I mean I just saw they're announcing like the Hunger Games like steelbooks I'm like yeah I'm gonna buy them, so <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> So it's like, I mean, it's the same movies, but it's like, God, the amount of times I've rebought Harry Potter, I just don't care anymore. It's like, I know, and, and Lord of the Rings, it's like, I know I'm giving you the same amount of, or more money for the same <laughs> thing that I love so much, but it's like, damn you. <laughs> but yeah, I'm very surprised that, like, it's, I think Mocking J Part 2 ended in 2014. I that think. That's right. I want to say. I can't. What was it? No, actually, I think it's that. That might be part one. Or was that part, part two? Part one. Was 2015. Yeah. 20, okay, no, it was 2015. 2015. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, yeah, I was in college during that time. Um, so, I, yeah, it's crazy that's how probably fast they pumped why. all these out. Mm. Well, they had the issue that, like, they didn't want the actors to grow up too quickly because yeah. Catching Fire <laughs> takes yeah. place a year after Hunger Games, but Mockingjay takes place exactly after catching fire so they could they couldn't have um jennifer lawrence growing up too much and also i think they were like shit she just like won an oscar and blew up like keep her like she signed up for yeah. this yeah 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 can't be war women <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i think um from what you guys are saying for um for mocking j part one part two it's i mean i definitely feel like it was more of a business decision as well because I mean, for obviously for Harry Potter, like that, that is you know a, a huge, huge deal. I, I think Hunger Games definitely had a really big following as well, from what I can remember. Because I mean, everyone crazy over them. Um, but I can definitely see. I, if you guys are saying, you know, there's more of a turning point within the last book since it is a trilogy, I could see how using the excuse of oh, well, you know, there's this weird, you know, this not weird because I haven't <laughs> seen it yet, but like there's this pitiful moment that like you know, definitely defines part one and part two. So 
we can definitely make this, you know, stretch this out type thing. But of course, like you said, you know, with the age of the actors, um, actresses on, on screen, it's, it's very hard to kind of like, you know, line up everything. Cause even with like Dune, cause like they, they had the option or the ability to film them back to back, but I mean, we'll see. I just hope <laughs> everyone doesn't look too too old. <laughs> yeah, Timmy Chalamet doesn't age. That two. dude's gonna look that age. No. In his Neither 50s. this is Zendaya either. Yeah. So it's like no, I think rod. we're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Everyone who 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 has died so far, you know, within Dune, I I I think they might be able to pull it off because, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> um let's get into our our actually we're going to add ratings uh this time around just to you know Ooh. everyone you know the amount of times that i watch movies and it's like my ratings have changed over and over and over but we'll start with this one so we're going to start with claire then we'll do Devin, and then nicole uh just give us your rating whatever rating scale that you usually use we we kind of go back i usually use like my letterbox rating uh we've known to do like you know I don't know, 80 out of like 100 <laughs> scale rating, but you know, wh- whatever feels best for you. Yeah, so um, I normally rate out of five. So I would put it as a 3.5 because though I absolutely love it, I do have to acknowledge that a lot of my love comes from knowing how the story continues and of having read the book. Um, and I do remember the first time I saw it thinking that was good, but not great. And only rewatching with so much more context. I was like, oh my God, it's great. So I'm like, I feel like I have to acknowledge just the film that I'm watching, not the franchise as a whole. So 3.5. Okay. All right. Devin, what about you? Yeah, I'm right around there as well. I'm like at an 80, just pretty solid. I didn't have many complaints, but definitely a fun rewatch. I wasn't expecting to, to love hopping into this world as much as I did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nicole, what about you? I'm a solid four out of five stars. I think I give it a lot of credit just for being such a good screenplay. Mm-hmm. And I think book to, to film adaptations are something that I uh, sometimes I'm so disappointed by. And the fact that I love this book as much as I do and think that it is a good movie of it wins it some definite points from me. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah. So I'm actually uh, with Nicole on that one. I gave it a four out of five stars. On Letterbox after my rewatch, uh, what did I say? I can't remember. Uh, let's pull it up. Oh yeah, I said ten years later, and I'm still not still not over Ruth's death. <laughs> <laughs> and that's very very true. But yeah, um, yeah, I it's you know, it's it's the beginning of you know a, a new friend uh, of a of a beloved franchise, and we it's it's just what I've noticed like within like recent years, we just really haven't had. I mean, outside of Marvel. Um, you know, with their uh, crazy factory work of like everything that they pump out per year and now doing with like TV shows as well. It, it's been a while since we've just had like that franchise that like everyone's invested in. I mean, cut, like superhero movies, I feel like are a little bit different because, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's not just like like a trilogy or like, you know, a five part like thing. Like it's still an ongoing thing. Same thing with DC, what everything, everything that they're doing, but it's been a while since we've really just had like that franchise that everyone's just into. And like a franchise that people would normally not watch. And it's, it, it, it kind of reminds me of like, just like black Panther in and of itself, because the movie is so freaking good. And it's like, you had everybody, going to the theater to see it. People who were non-moviegoers, you know, people who didn't like comic book films were going to go see it. 
and whatnot. So that was like a really big like phenomenon. But it's I don't know. Like I mean, with Dune, we'll see. But it's just so far. As much as I love Dune, I, I'm not feeling the same love as I felt with like with the Hunger Games or even um, like with Twilight and things of that nature. Um, I know the Golden Compass, the movie wasn't so great, <laughs> but, then they but the TV show them. is very, very good. I can't wait for yeah. season three this year. It's going to be very awesome. But yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're missing something. It's even like when I watch the Oscars every year, it's like I haven't felt something magical since like Return of the King minus Parasite because that was freaking amazing. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's, but, it's the loss of the monoculture isn't it because like you mentioned mm. june june didn't get me out to the cinema it, i watched the trailer and i was like i kind of know that won't be for me i'm sure it will be great but it won't be for me but even like my kind of non-film friends when they're like any big films coming out around christmas i would like mention june and they're like never even heard of it like it didn't it didn't filter out to kind of the everyman um, and there doesn't seem to be because there's so much choice that no one knows what the choices are anymore. And we don't like Hunger Games came out just before Netflix kind of really exploded, like before Stranger Things and the rest. Um, and so I think it caught the end of a culture that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Like, honestly, outside of Hunger Games, I don't know what like, what was like the next big for? I mean, besides Marvel, they tried uh, I guess it was Marvel. And I guess technically, like Star Wars coming back mm. is probably the closest thing that we have in terms of sort of everyman mm. appeal in a franchise. But even that was like them rebooting yeah. in an older franchise, not a new one. A requel. Scream! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they tried with Divergent and they tried with Maze Runner and they didn't pick up the audiences for various nope. reasons. <laughs> Divergent didn't even end up making its final film, I don't think. No, did because it? they no, tried it to didn't. make its TV it and the actors not. quite yeah. rightly were like, no, we signed up for a film, we'll do a film, we're not doing a TV program. So it never happened. Yeah. Um, which is annoying because yeah. I didn't want to read the books, but I would kind of like to know how it ends. I think I read the Wikipedia after at some point just to yeah. fill in the blanks yeah well of course you know the, the beloved artemis fowl and the, the amazing success of I that mean, movie. i read that book and thought that book was terrible so i don't know why they tried to oh, adapt it we don't i never read the book <laughs> <laughs> you've heard of you've heard of, we don't talk about bruno get ready for we don't talk about artemis fowl <laughs> honestly that is I and I thought about watching it, and one of my friends was like, "He's like, don't. that's got to be one of the worst don't. trailers ever made." <laughs> don't like I watched it. Don't watch it. Um, but listen, I respect <laughs> Kenneth Branagh. Got in there, he put in the least effort possible, and he got that Disney money. Dis- Disney so, paycheck. He got that you Disney know, money. <laughs> I respect the hustle. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It's it, it's just like I'm from Atlanta coming back for uh, you know Doc Ock. He's like, "Oh, like why'd you come back?" He's like, "Oh, so all about the money." I'm like. Yeah. You know, I I, I appreciate I appreciate I it, man. With honest, yeah, I respect it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> yeah, four out of five stars for me for the first Hunger Games. Um, I I I kind of just want to dive. I want to dive into Catching Fire right now so badly, but I'm trying to refrain myself until next month. But that pretty much concludes our uh, review, our 10 year celebration anniversary review of the first Hunger Games films just wanted to thank claire and nicole again for coming back on claire it's been amazing having you on we'd love to have you back um you know this was a great great discussion um by all um thank you riverside for you know sponsoring i was joking but (laughs) 
but yeah, you know, we're, we're trying a uh, new little setup. So we'll, we'll see how this uh, works out. If not, you know, we, we always have all faithful to go back to, but I wanted to uh, take this time really quick for Nicole and Claire to kind of plug their, um, plug their content, let everyone know uh, what's coming up on your respective outlets. Uh, we'll start with Claire and then we'll end with Nicole and then we'll close on out. Yeah, so um, W-rated um, time of recording. We've just released our Human Centipede 2 episode. Um, oh out. boy. Um, and we coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to have S. Darko, the Donnie Darko sequel no one asked for and no one knows existed. And but there's a Donnie Darko sequel? S. Darko is about his little sister. It is... Wow. Not good. Uh, spoiler for the <laughs> podcast. Um, and then we um, will be covering the Golden Raspberries. So while everyone else is watching all of the Oscars ahead of the Oscars, we will be watching what have been voted the worst films of the year and trying to cover all of them in under two hours. <laughs> so, that sounds like a lot of fun. It, it nearly <laughs> killed me last year. I think we recorded and I, ha- I went for an entire bottle of wine. It was a fun edit. <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing. Oh my gosh. Uh, was there anything else you want? I wasn't sure if you were finished or not. No, no. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you All off. All good. Okay. All right, Nicole, let everyone know where they can find you on the internet. Yeah, like I said, I'm over on Twitter and Instagram and letterbox.nicoleachman16. Um, I've got link trees in all those locations to the places that I write and podcast for. Uh, on Next Best Picture and uh, Wealth of Geeks. I'm going to be covering some Sundance movies uh, over the next week or so. So very excited for that. I'm not doing like full Sundance like a lot of people are. I'm doing mini Sundance, um, seeing like eight <laughs> movies, which feels a lot more manageable. Uh, and then also on my period drama podcast, my friend Maggie and I are covering Cyrano and then The Last Duel. Uh, so we'll be talking sort of about the history behind those uh films and sort of giving some more context so if you have seen those they're both excellent movies highly recommend both of them um i have to i i don't know why i have personally picked up running the last tools like pr campaigns but because it's on hbo max to. now it's and right like someone has Europe, to it's on disney plus you can watch it okay there we go <laughs> Yeah. On Europe, in Europe, Disney Plus, in the US, HBO Max, highly recommend it. And then come check out our episode. I read the book that it's based on, so I'm going to be giving a lot of facts talking about how uh, historically accurate it is or isn't. Um, obviously, if I'm raving about it, it is. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But um, And you can find that at Petticoats and Poppies History Girls at the movies. Okay, nice. I I loved Serena. Like, it it's broke so me. <laughs> Oh my god! I've watched me. it like four times. I'm so jealous. I've seen it twice. I just, I just can't put that screener down for some reason. I'm like, yeah, please send it to like... Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> if it weren't region coded, man. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so good. I'm so excited for people to see it. Um, and yeah, we we did a, a fun episode where we talked about sort of the history of um Cyrano like as a as a property going from the play to today and and also about the um history of the man who wrote the original play so okay um yeah. super excited for people to hear that super excited to actually like use my history degree <laughs> <laughs> is it out in th- it's not out in theaters it's being delayed it's until not- February yeah uh, you know, okay, it's you know, coming. February loves in the air. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably the perfect time for for that to come out. Yeah, I I really do adore that film. Like, oh, Peter Dinklage, he he never disappoints. Like, so good, never, so good. <laughs> but uh, for us coming up on the podcast, uh, we're going to be doing a Peacemaker season one review uh, sometime soon. We're not entirely sure. 
Um, I've seen the first seven episodes, even though it is more of a weekly basis. I'm enjoying it so far, but uh, we were not given the season finale. So we're waiting <laughs> to do that. And I believe we're also going to try to cover, I think it's an HBO Max um, film called The Fallout, um, which looks very, very interesting. A very big Gen Z uh, movie that kind of caught my eye. Well, honestly, as soon as Billy Eilish started playing, I was I was there. I was starting. Let's Jenna Ortega right, let's, is let's, going to own 2022. She really is. Like I was like, you know, and I feel like this. You know, obviously we reviewed Scream, um, and then you know she was in that. And now she she's in Follow, and I was like, oh, like she's in another. Like it's great. Like I I think she's uh, definitely going to be uh, building herself a very impressive resume uh, so far for sure. And of course, you know, if you're listening to this, um, I think we're, are we doing Jackass forever, Devin? I don't know. Maybe. Sounds like a good time. I, I think so. Yeah. So th- that will definitely be our next, because this is going to be dropping um, next month, uh, not next month, excuse me, next week in uh, January. So um, by the time this is out, we'll definitely be uh, having some more things um, um, in the works, in the pipes. Uh, I think I'm going to start doing some mini-sodes here on the podcast, some li- little solo um type initial reactions um just to kind of cover the tv shows that i really really like that devin doesn't like uh <laughs> game of thrones um, <laughs> house of the dragon and whatnot but um but yeah so i'm definitely going to be doing that and of course for everyone out there just a few call to actions of course we have a discord for everyone to join we're trying to build a nice little film community you know of um of film lovers and tv lovers just to kind of you know, just just talk about the things that we love. Talk about the things that we wish we were getting paid to do, um, <laughs> for sure. And of course, uh, leave a five star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you're listening on those respective platforms. And of course, you know, always share this episode with a friend, your mother, your brother, your lover, whoever it is. Definitely want to, you know, get the your podcast Katniss, out there. Your Peter. Katniss, your <laughs> the Katniss to my Peter. <laughs> A girl can only dream. <laughs> so definitely. Um, and of course, if you haven't checked out our Scream 5, um, yeah, Scream 5, let's call it Scream 5. It's up on the on the podcast now. Uh, me and Devin kind of went into that and we, we had a really great time with it. So definitely check out that episode if you're looking for something to kind of get you through your work week because, man, I listen to a lot of podcasts while I'm working. But again, Claire and Nicole, thank you guys so much for coming on. We'd love to have you guys back on. I think um, for Catching Fire, we do have Amy Smith and J.D. Duran coming on. So that'll be, of course, dropping um, in February again since since, since this is a um, monthly uh, series because, like I said, Harry Potter took a lot out of me. And so did the Matrix. So, <laughs> so of course, you know, if, if you do enjoy our franchise revisited, we do have um, Matrix 1 through 4 up on the podcast and as well as Harry Potter, which Nicole was, um, you know, just gushing a little bit over uh, Lupin, of course. Respectively. <laughs> a little. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, such a fantastic character. But that pretty much concludes today's episode. Make sure to follow our guests on their respective platforms. All of their links will be in the episode notes below. And it's time to wrap on up here. So let me uh, bring this bad boy on. And that's a wrap for today. Thank you all for listening. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us on Twitter to stay in the know. That was Devin, Claire, Nicole. My name is Christian. We'll see you guys 
and the next one, and may the odds be ever in your favor.